All right, all right, all right, everyone. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Hart's Home Half with your host, yours truly, Austin Hart. Before I get into the slate for today's episode really quick, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in to my very, very first episode. I've received so much feedback and support, and honestly, it just helps me out a ton, knowing what I can do better and how I can just continue to pump out great-ass content for all of you. So really, thank you so much. I appreciate all of that. Uh, also, one more bit of housekeeping. Many of you are probably tuning in via Spotify, which is fantastic, but I've also now made sure that this podcast is going to be accessible through platforms such as Amazon, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So you're going to be able to find this everywhere. All right, sorry, all that lame shit is now over. <laughs> Let's get into some sports for the day. Uh, so our agenda... We are going to get into some NBA first off, because we did not even get to touch on that in our last podcast. There's two teams specifically in the state of Florida, the Miami Heat and the Orlando Magic, that we're going to have to cover, because they are on opposite sides of the spectrum right now in the NBA. The Heat are at the top of the East, vying for a top playoff spot, while the bottom feeder Magic are literally just looking for a decent draft pick next year. Uh, So we're going to get into both of those teams. And then right after that, we're going to get into a little college baseball because earlier this week, there was a massive matchup between number five FSU and number 14 UF in Jacksonville. So we're going to get into the results of that game and some takeaways I have from that game as well. And in the end, we'll get into a little betting talk as well. We didn't even get to touch on that last podcast either, but I do have some great prop picks that I'm going to want to give you for tonight that I'm really, really excited about tonight. So without further ado, let's jump right into it and we'll start out with the NBA. So we're going to have to start out with the hottest team first. And yes, pun intended, we're going to be talking about the Miami Heat. This team has absolutely been rolling this year with a record of 49 and 28. They sit atop the Eastern Conference in first place, beating the Celtics last night in a 106 to 98 close matchup. Um, the Boston Celtics are also at the top of the East. So for the Heat to string together their second win in a row after a four-game losing streak in which we saw the team kind of getting into some scuffles on court, it was really great to see them overpower Boston last night and get a convincing win over a top team in the East. And getting into the Heat a little bit more, I was I was diving into a little bit of their team stats, and I saw this very, very interesting stat and uh, I wanted to share this with you guys. So the Heat have averaged over 100 points versus every opponent they've played this year with at least two games played, with the exception of only two opponents, and that's Cleveland and Boston. Against Cleveland, they only averaged 98.7 points per game, but against Boston, 85 points per per game so to have a showing like they did last night 106 98 holding the Celtics to under 100 points while scoring over 100 themselves I mean that was fantastic against again a top tier opponent in the east in the Boston Celtics so fantastic showing from them yet again last night and I just wanted to point something out Tyler Hero, I have really, really enjoyed getting to watch him play this year. He definitely looks like the sixth man of the year so far for the Heat. He's averaging 20 points off the bench per game. That's just behind the team leader, Jimmy Butler, with 21.2 points per game. So Tyler Hero is absolutely putting 
uh, on a show for the Heat this year. And I'm just hoping that he can continue that performance into the playoffs, similar to his performance uh, in the playoffs when the Heat were in the bubble and made that run to the finals. That's really what I'm going to be looking for as this very, very strong Heat team continues to make that playoff push with a couple games left uh, sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference. Also, the additions of Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker to this team, I think, have been absolutely huge. Not only in terms of the strong perimeter game that they're both going to provide. I mean, Kyle Lowry went 50% from three last night. Um, but they're also providing great uh, defense and leadership to this team. When you thought about this team uh, prior, I guess, to this season, you really thought of Jimmy Butler as that very established leader on the team, and he was the guy that's going to bring everybody together. And yes, they do have Udonis Haslam that's kind of like the forever Heat player that's always going to be on the bench and always going to be that veteran presence that they have, but to have a very established player in Kyle Lowry and his veteran presence to match up with Jimmy Butler and his leadership style and veteran presence, I mean, this is just huge for that Heat team to get both of these guys to be able to rally this very young and and team that's still growing together. It's really, really exciting to watch Kyle Lowry and, I mean, and also P.J. Tucker coming into this team and establishing, again, that uh, like form of leadership, that, that really band of leadership that they're using to really rally all these young guys and, and play so, so well as a team together this year. And then, again, a super, super overused word in sports, but it applies directly to the Miami Heat. It's culture. Culture. The Miami Heat have culture. The way that those guys play for one another, the way that those guys rally around Eric Spolstra, that coaching staff, that front office, and Pat Riley, I mean, it, it really is just a testament to how well they're able to cultivate uh, just a winning atmosphere around that basketball team. You know, even when they've had years when they weren't at their best, again, you just know that that team still plays with intensity and the same type of culture that they've always tried to cultivate around that team. It's it's incredible, and it's unlike any other NBA team, in my opinion, in the entire league. Um, and also, I think another underrated piece of this team is Victor Oladipo returning from injury. Um, I think a lot of people kind of forgot about him. His injury kept him out for quite a long time. It was very catastrophic and... And, and very tough to see him have to go through something like that. But to have him coming back and, and possibly being inserted back into this Heat lineup, whether whether it's a bench role or possibly a starter role here and there, I mean, in, in my opinion, I don't even think he needs to be a starter. I think he could be a fantastic bench player coming off of the bench for you in the playoffs. And if he just provides that same type of production and um, just – yeah, I mean, production. If he's just providing that same type of production that he was prior to his injury, he's going to be a fantastic addition for this Heat team moving forward. And they're already loaded. So, I mean, it's going to be awesome to see how he's going to be fitting into this team moving forward as they're getting their lineups ready to go for playoff time. Uh, so now that we've talked a little bit about the Heat and how well they've been doing in the East so far this year, to switch gears a little bit and talk about a team that's actually in the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings, last place, 
with a 20-57 record. Ladies and gentlemen, your Orlando Magic. Yes, the Orlando Magic, uh, the team that I live actually kind of close by uh, to, are absolutely porous this year. Um, and it's, it's tough because I've actually gotten to watch a lot of their games uh, living around this area and... Um, you know, I kind of just say porous as a joke. I mean, they're, they're, they're very young and developing team. You know, they're not even close to competing this year, but, um, you know, they, they just haven't played a lot of great basketball. They, they still got a lot of young pieces. They're still trying to get gelled together and still trying to figure out a good solid five starting lineup that they can go, uh, and do work with. But, um, you know, I think the nice pieces that they have to build around already, they have Cole Anthony, who's leading the team with 16.8 points per game. They have Franz Wagner, who's second on the team with 15.4 points per game as a rookie this year. I mean, that guy's been looking fantastic. I mean, he looks like a cornerstone of this franchise for years to come. He already looks like a veteran in this league, and it's only his rookie year. Just the way he carries himself, the way he looks on the court, his technique, his shot, I mean, it it, it looks great. And I'm really, really excited to see how they continue to develop Franz Wagner uh, in this system, right alongside his brother, Mo Wagner, as well. How cool is that uh, to get the, to get to see these two brothers playing alongside the uh, each other here in Orlando. That's pretty cool. But um, a couple other players, Jalen Suggs, uh, Wendell Carter, uh, you know, some some other great players I think that, that they're going to be able to build around. And a player that just came back from injury as well, their point guard, Markel Fultz. Uh, I'm super, super excited that he came back from injury this year. Obviously, uh, that devastating ACL tear last year uh, kept him out for the remainder of the season when he was just starting to heat up and play incredibly well for the Magic. Um, kept him out for most of this year as well, but they were able to bring him back just a couple months ago and just kind of get him acclimated to playing some full-time basketball again. Um, you know, obviously starting to keep him on a, on, a, on a minutes restriction from night to night. They really just want to make sure he is ready to go uh, to, to be an every-night player for them next year. That's really what they're going to look for him to be, a real leader on this team, uh, a guy that can ho- hopefully be one one of, if not the star player for this franchise because they really don't have anybody else that's uh, looking like they're going to step up to that uh, franchise star player type role right now. And, uh, they, I mean, they still do have the draft and the lottery to look at. They're probably going to get a pretty decent lottery pick, and there are some uh, great talents out there uh, in the lottery this year. So it's really just going to be dependent on what they're looking for in this draft, if they're able to, uh, to build around whatever they get in this draft. Um, but, yeah, that, that's going to be very interesting to see what they're going to do with that moving forward. Um, I think one of the biggest question marks for me surrounding this team personally is Mo Bamba. And, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. The song, Sheck West, Mo, you know, that's the guy. But I just, I don't know if he fits quite well into this Orlando Magic lineup. We've had him for a couple years. Um, and, and the Magic just haven't really figured out a way to utilize him to his full potential. I mean, this is just the type of guy that I see going to another team and being an absolute stud. I mean, his frame and his talent, I think, gives him all the potential in the world to be a really, really great center in this league. Um, but I just don't know if that's with the Magic. I think Wendell Carter is a, is a better talent at that position for right now. So um, um, I'm just wondering if 
if Mo Bamba is going to be a piece of this franchise moving forward or if they're maybe going to use him in trade talks. It's going to be interesting to see how they're going to utilize him because, again, Wendell Carter has really come into his own this year and really showcased a lot of great talent as a young player. So um, the potential of Mo is there. It's just going to be dependent on whether the Orlando Magic are going to continue to try and pursue that or whether they're going to want to go another route. And lastly, just before we move off the Magic, one of the biggest things I think that was a disappointment this year for them was not getting Jonathan Isaac back into the lineup. He is also dealing with a pretty catastrophic injury as well. He tore his ACL, it seems like two years ago now. He's been out of the lineup for so long. and He actually just suffered another setback just a couple weeks ago, I think, which required some surgery. So he definitely will not be ready again until next season. And again, for Magic fans, it's just such a big blow because a guy with John, in Jonathan Isaac that has so much talent and so much potential, you just want to see him out there on the court gelling with the rest of your young players that you've gotten ready to play alongside him. Um, but in, injury has just really taken a toll on him, unfortunately, these past couple years. And we're just really hoping the Magic can take this offseason to get him as healthy as possible I know they would love to see him back on the court uh, for next year. Now that we've covered how our Florida NBA teams have been rolling so far this season, let's jump ship a little bit and let's talk some college baseball because there was a massive matchup earlier this week on Tuesday night against number five FSU and number 14 UF and my alma mater, number 14 UF, comes out on top with the 6-3 win. Brandon Neely gets the win in relief for Florida. FSU's starter Carson Montgomery gets saddled with the loss. And Blake Purnell came in with the save for Florida at the end. Florida has actually now won 18 of the last 21 matchups between these two teams in baseball. What an incredible stat there. And... UF dominance, baby. Let's go. Um, but uh, let me get into some takeaways for the game because I did get to watch the whole game, and I- I've just been absolutely loved, loving getting to watch uh, all of the the teams in-, in the state of Florida play college baseball this year. If you haven't gotten to tune in, I highly, highly recommend you do. I mean, college baseball has been off the hook this year. It is so, so exciting to watch. These kids play with so much passion and so much intensity, and, and I mean... You just never, never know what you're going to see. It is so much fun to watch. Um, so so some of the things that I, I saw during this game, um, in, it, an incredible catch by Wyatt Langford actually robbing Logan Lacey of a potential three-run home run very early in the game. Um, I, that that's a big game changer because as you as you know, Florida won six to three. So that three run home run definitely could have made a big big difference in this game. Florida scored their sixth run late on a wild pitch in the game. Um, so that three run home run definitely could have helped FSU in the long run for that game. Um, both teams actually left a lot of runners on base as well. FSU left eleven runners on base and UF left ten on base. And that's, that's just disappointing for an offense, especially when you have runners in scoring position and you're just going to leave them there at the end of the ni- end of an inning and you can't really get anything rolling with your offense. I mean, it's just it's incredible, incredibly disappointing to see those numbers over double digits for both teams. You really want to get those runners in, score as much as you can. Um, you, you hate to see your offense 
kind of folding under the pressure when you have two outs there and uh, not getting the timely hits that you need for some runs. Um, one of the biggest things I saw for Florida is they're really, really struggling to find their starting pitching. Um, besides Hunter Barco, their Friday night starter, they've really been struggling to find anybody that's going out there and providing them consistent innings on a starter-like basis. Uh, Garrett Milchin went out there and was a starter on Tuesday night. He only went two and a third innings, giving up five hits and a run. He only got one strikeout, so definitely not the type of performance they were looking from him. Um, definitely wanting him to go a little bit deeper into that game. And again, Florida's just having to dig into their bullpen very, very deep, or very, very early into the game. And that does not bode well for them, especially as they get deeper into the season and start advancing toward the playoffs. You're going to need a very dominant pitching staff and bona fide starters that you can feel confident in going out there, especially on a weekend series. And for FSU, they definitely have that. With Parker Messick as their Friday night starter, Bryce Hubbard as the Saturday night starter, and then Sunday they have Ross Dunn as their starter. I mean, those are three bona fide arms right there that anybody would feel confident uh, playing behind on a weekend basis. Then you have Carson Montgomery, who used to be a weekend starter last year, now the midweek starter for them, and he's also a fantastic arm. So that's four starting pitchers already for FSU that they feel very, very confident in, and unfortunately UF can't say the same. Uh, another great thing I saw in this game was the use of small ball. And for anybody out there that doesn't really understand what small ball is in relation to the game of baseball, it's utilizing a lot of different bunting techniques and stealing and hit and run situations and, and just being able to play the game at a different type of pace than just being able to hit home runs and hit runners in and that type of thing. You're, you're creating other opportunities for yourself to score rather than just the typical putting the bat on the ball type of thing. Um, so if you're able to put a nice bunt down, move runners over, which my boy Colton Vincent did in that game, put down a beautiful sacrifice bunt. Um, if you can steal some bases, if you can put on a hit and run where somebody's trying to steal and somebody's trying to put the ball in play at the same time, I mean, that just creates a lot more opportunities for your offense to get something rolling and create a lot more scoring opportunities uh, for your offense as well. Uh, so I'll run down some quick stats for the game. Uh, FSU, uh, in terms of hitting, Logan Lacey had a great night, went 3-for-4 with a double. Uh, could have went 4-for-4. Four four. Again, that home run that was robbed early in the game could have been a difference maker for FSU had that ball gone out of the park. Brett Roberts went 2-for-2 two two with a double and an RBI. A nice night for him. And my boy Colton Vincent with the first RBI of the game starting it off. He went 1-for-3 on the night. Uh, Carson Montgomery, the starter for FSU, he went five innings, gave up eight hits, five runs, and earned six strikeouts. And the bullpen was pretty good for FSU, only gave up that one unearned run late in the game on that wild pitch. And in terms of UF, their hitting stats, Sterling Thompson had a great night going three for five. Uh, BT Ryapel went two for four with an RBI, and Josh Rivera probably had the best night out of everyone, going three for four with a single, an RBI double, and a two-run home run, just a triple shy of the cycle. So great night for him in terms of UF hitting. Uh, we told you about Garrett Milchin, only went the two and a third for Florida. 
but four different bullpen arms for UF combined to finish out the rest of the game with nine combined strikeouts and only two runs allowed. So the bullpen really did come in clutch for UF at the end of that game. They just need to make sure they're working on that starting level consistency moving forward. Uh, so up next, FSU this weekend, they're going to be taking on number 16th ranked Notre Dame in ACC weekend play. And then UF is going to be traveling to take on number 23 ranked Georgia in some SEC ranked play. So we've hit the NBA and we've hit college baseball. Now I think we're going to round out the day with a little bit of betting talk. And I'm actually using Underdog Fantasy to actually lock in some player props now. It's a fantastic app, and if anybody out there is interested in using it, all you do when you go on the app is you, you're picking over or under for a multitude of different player props in all different kinds of sports. It's super fun, super easy to use. Uh, you can up to double, quadruple, eight, eight times your money. I mean, the more picks you're putting together, the more money... Uh, you have the chance to win. So if anybody wants to get started with the app, if anybody wants to use it, I have a promo code, AustinHeart24. It's uh, literally the same thing I use for my Instagram, my Twitter, all that good stuff. They'll match your first deposit up to $100 if you use it. So if you deposit in $100, they'll give you a free 100 Boom, you have 200 bucks in your account just like that. So... Uh, use that if you want. Use the Underdog Fantasy app if you want. I've been loving this app so far. Definitely just wanted to share that with all of you guys in case anybody's looking for a good prop app out there to use. Um, so let's get into my three prop bets for the night. I have two in the NBA and one in the NHL. We'll start out with the NBA. And the first one I have is Andre Drummond over 10.5 points. Now this one is real simple to me. He's averaging... 17 points against the Bucks this year in both of his games against them. And he's gone over 13 points in all of his last five games. And specifically over 10.5 points in his last six. So really, I'm just liking Andre Drummond to go over this, I think, very low line here. I like the way he's been playing against the Bucks this year. Again, I just think this line is too low. So I'm going to mash Andre Drummond over 10.5 points tonight. I'm also going to go with Zach Levine over 22.5 points. I have this as a bounce-back spot for a really, really great player because I, he, I think he had a less-than-average performance last game against the Wizards. His past five games, he's averaged 25.2 points per game, even in scoring 14 points against the Wizards in his last game. He also scored 29 points against the Clippers in their earlier matchup this year. So again, I think this line is just too low for Zach Levine at 22.5. I love the over here, and I'm really going to just try and take advantage of this line. So those are both of my NBA props for the night. My NHL prop, I'm going to go with Jonathan Huberdeau of the Florida Panthers over 2.5 shots. Now, honestly, I absolutely love looking at Panthers' props and lines when they play at home because, damn it, they play so good at home. They are so, so good when they're playing down in uh, Miami. Um, I mean, they're playing a porous Blackhawks squad tonight who have lost uh, six of their last ten, and they just dealt away their top-tier goaltender in Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, They gave him away to Minnesota, so they're lacking the talent that they once had back there in net. And the last three games that Huberdeau's played, he has put seven shots on goal, three shots on goal, and three shots on goal, all eclipsing the over two and a half. And get this, I mean, I I saw this stat earlier, and I was like, oh my God, hell yeah, I got to mash this prop. 
he averages 25% of the shot share for the Florida Panthers on the season. So in other words, a fourth of all the shots on goal that have come for the Panthers this season have been from Jonathan Huberdeau, and I think that is an incredible stat. Definitely want to ride that prop tonight. So those are the three that I'm going with tonight. Andre Drummond over 10.5 points. Zach Levine over 22.5 points. And Jonathan Huberdeau over 2.5 shots. So hopefully we'll get some luck coming our way tonight and we can cash these tickets. I'm super, super excited to be watching these games tonight and seeing how these prop bets are going to pan out. Uh, So that is just about going to do it for this second episode of Hearts Home Half. Once again, thank you everybody for joining me on this episode. I look forward to seeing you again on Monday. Thank you so much. I am Austin Hart and I'll see you next time on Hearts Home Half.